Welcome to another NL full-time podcast. I'm Rob Worrell and it's been another rip-roaring day in the National League. In truth, there were less 90-plus goals on Saturday and less red cards as well, particularly in the uh, in the top division. But there was still plenty of excitement, including our first hat-trick in the top division. Um, and before we go any further, I'm sure everybody on the NL full-time team wishes the very, very best to Inny Effion, who sadly um, collapsed and needed to be taken to hospital following uh, Dagenham's game yesterday. But uh, we understand he's stable. All the best, Inny. And uh, we hope to see you again very, very soon. In this podcast, we'll hear from one of the National League's uh, more expensively assembled players this this season, Tyler Cordner. Um, but first, a very quick introduction to our guests today. Um, I'm going to go first with a formula regular on the show. He's delighted he's been able to join us uh, back from one of many trips to the Southwest, which he'll absolutely love, of course, I'm sure. But uh, it's Hampton and Richmond photographer and former NL full-time podcaster, Mr. Tom Lang. Hi, Tom. Hi, Rob. Hi, everyone. Uh, very nice to be back today. Um, it's no coincidence that I've waited till we got our first win on the board before deciding to put my head above the parapet. But um, yeah, it'd be good to be chatting <laughs> National League with you today. Yeah, well, um, before I go any further with the introductions, I can tell you the entire podcast team are unbeaten this weekend. Um, another one that uh, that uh, his side actually got to victory, but we're going to ban him from talking about them today. And that's uh, Joe Pope, uh, of course, Torquay supporter, but uh, a regular on the, the podcast and off the line blog. Hi, Joe. Yeah, hi guys. Thanks for having me on again. Um, yeah, I think that might be the first time ever we've had an undefeated lineup of teams. Um, but yeah, good to I think get was, back into it all again. Uh, I think there was one week when there was only three of us on and all three teams won. Um, but moving on to uh, to the spoils go the victor or whatever the saying is, um, the top winning man amongst us today is Mr. Dickie Wharton, of course, media at Telford who are in a playoff position. And when I asked the question yesterday, how did Telford get on? Dickie, you replied. Uh, seven. Yeah, it probably it doesn't count for this for the purposes of this podcast, clearly, because it's uh, it's a Southern Premier Central. Well, it will Central. do if you keep going like that. <laughs> well, yeah, but yeah, it was uh, a 7-0 win yesterday for me, um, literally. We had lots of people saying, when was the last time we scored that number of goals? We actually had a 10-1 win away in the FA Trophy in 2020, which nobody could watch because it was during COVID and there was no live streaming of the game. So it's almost like that one never happened. So I can understand why people were dashing off to their uh, record books yesterday trying to find the last time we scored seven goals. Yeah, well done. It's a great feeling on those rare days that that kind of scoreline happens. Just before we look at Saturday's games, a quick dip back into midweek in the National League uh, where uh, wins for Chesterfield and Solihull on the road put them right at the ascendancy of the National League. And there was a cracker at uh, um, Eastleigh where Barnett were 3-0 up, but goals from McCallum at the double and Scott Quigley with his first for the Spitfires got them a well-earned point. Um, I was uh, witnessing a very well-organised Ebbsfleet United side uh, get their first home win of the season, 2-0 against Aldershot Town. And after the game, I caught up with the victorious manager, Dennis Coutrie. 
That is a good night's work at uh, Stonebridge Road. Two wins out of three, and I know you were frustrated Saturday, but all in all, quite a good start, first three games. Yeah, of course. Uh, if someone would ask us for six points from nine, maybe we would say straight away yes. After the Saturday, obviously, we were frustrated, but even more important that we come back today, and I think it was an impressive performance from us. It was tight, it was congested, it was intense. Sometimes the intensity was better than the quality, but it looked to me like... When Ebfleet moved the ball quick, you moved it into the space and all the shots struggled to find it. So that's credit to your side. Were you pleased with that side of the game? Yeah, I'm 100% pleased and I totally agree. I think we stopped after the second goal because we thought like it's game over and we don't need to. That's what I don't like, but obviously as a manager, uh, as a manager you always have something to complain. Um, if someone would say to me, we don't concede a goal against uh, both of their strikers, which are a real threat, uh, Tola and Barham, so I would take it all day long and um, we're always good to score our goals. So from this point of view, as I said, very delighted for the boys. And uh, for Dominic to get that uh, goal, just to give you that little bit of comfort, it was tight, he wriggled, he went one way then the other and there was, uh, there was so little room to squeeze the shot in but he managed to find the gap. Yeah, finally, I think he had two before already, one he slipped and the other one uh, was a good save from the goalkeeper uh, and that's his, his threat, if an opponent leaves him up, one we one up top, we always can um, uh, yeah, put, put him in behind in the right spaces and... Um, from this point of view, I was just happy that they gave us the spaces in behind for him. And as I said, he could have scored two more minimum. First half was already one situation where he slipped as well. Uh, but you can see if you, if, you, if you give him four or five chances, he will take one of them all day long. Fantastic. Welcome to the National League and congratulations on a good start. Thank you very much. That was Dennis Kutrieb or Kutrieb if you prefer. Tom, what would you go for How on the pronunciation of his name? Uh, I was going to Kutria, but um, I would definitely not profess to be a German speaker. So, uh, I mean, dealer's choice. Exactly that. I've always said Kutria, but then I heard Adam Summerton calling him Kutrieb, and I thought, I know exactly how thorough Adam Summerton is with his uh, with his research. So, that was um, Kutrieb in the week uh, where Ebbsfleet did well. They didn't do so well on Saturday, but we'll get to that in a minute. We have to start with the big game, the live lunchtime kickoff on BT Sport. Oops, TNT Sports. There we go. First of many. Um, and that was Chesterfield against Oldham. And there was plenty of controversy in that one. Uh, wasn't there, Joe? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it looked as if Chesterfield were going to win the game, winning 1-0, uh, right down to the, the dire moments before Oldham got a uh, share of the spoils. Goal from James Norwood, uh, obviously recently signed from League One Barnsley. He got a goal uh, to earn a point and that ensued a melee on the pitch from not just the players, that the fans came on. The goalkeeper from Chesterfield got uh, pushed over by a fan from the Oldham away end, and uh, all turned a little bit unsavoury at the end. Um, but uh, in the end, it was a very, very good point for Oldham. And to be honest, given how they've started, probably a really big point for David Unsworth as well. I know quite a lot of unhappy Oldham fans, even though we're only a couple of games in. Uh, but for them to get a share of the points was good. Yeah, I mean... In the moments, in the minutes before that equalising goal, the Oldham fans were chanting for the manager Unsworth to go. It's a, it's a fickle old world football, isn't it? Um, of course, you can understand their sheer and utter excitement about uh, to feel back late on a point they gained that moved them up to 15th in the table. And it probably, that in itself tells you just how hard times have been perhaps for Oldham in, in, in recent years. And 
and they sniff the chance of something better this season and they don't want to miss out on that. Um, Solihull Moors, we have to come to next. They disposed quite comfortably of Dorking, who uh, later on had Aaron Cool sent off for two yellows. And Dickie, I just want to turn to you on this one. They've been the surprise of the season. I mean, it's not much of a surprise now, of course, but it was the first week, the second week, and they just sort of compounded it with that win. Um, and uh, Wings uh, made a good start. Yeah, he has. Um, it, I wonder if a little bit of Solihull's um, early season success might be because there was so much less expected of them. I think some people were talking about them as as potential relegation candidates. Um, but you know, they're defying that at the moment and you'd kind of think the results they're getting now are only going to build their confidence um, and push them up the table. They um, had a very comfortable win, as you say, yesterday, 3-0. Cade Craig scored their uh, opener. He's a player I saw. He actually played about three times on loan for Telford last season in National League North and then suffered a dislocated shoulder in training at his parent club Shrewsbury, which meant he barely played for the rest of the season. And that was why pretty much he didn't get his contract renewed at Shrewsbury Town. Um, so he's not played a lot of football and he probably has quite a lot to prove as well, I would have thought. He got them on the mark. Josh Kelly, we know all about him from his time at Maidenhead and last season at Solihull. He scored a penalty in the 45th minute. And then, yeah, Mark Beck, another player that we know all about. Um, You know, you know what Mark Beck does, but actually stopping him is a different question. He got the third goal in the 64th minute. And as you mentioned, uh, yeah, Aaron Cole sent off for Dorking late on in that one to uh, compound a pretty miserable day for Mark White. It certainly was, and he'd be really, really glad to be able to get back on the touchline. I'm not 100% sure if that might have been his last game of, of, of a, something. I think it was an eight-match stadium ban. Um, I think it was five last season. I'm sure that would be coming towards an end now. I know Mark, having spoken to him recently, is itching to get back in the dugout. Of course, they got a good win in midweek, Dorkin, their first home win of the season, where they beat uh, Southend. But... Uh, um, coming on to the other team that sits in the lofty positions of the fledgling league table. In fact, the loftiest with the best uh, goal difference and goals scored. And that is Dean Brennan's Barnet. And Tom, whatever the fixtures threw up at the start of the season, um, whoever teams have beaten or whatever up to now, um, Barnet had Woking. They had Darren Sarles, uh Woking side um, at the Hive on Saturday and they disposed of them comfortably 2-0. And Dean Brennan appears to have made the little tweaks and improvements on top of the, the little bit of stability that's there now at Barnet to, to, to really push this season. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that they will, will certainly have to start they've had, but also after the summer of business that they did, be on most people's lists for playoff contenders this season, um, as obviously we're Woking. So this will be a game that Woking will definitely targeting a point at, I think. Um, you know, if you draw away at your rivals and beat them at home, you're going to be in a pretty good position for the playoffs. Um, and so, you know, Barnett have now completed half of that equation with Woking. Um, what I really like is uh, Zach Brunt got a couple of goals. Uh, it was a palindromic double, he scored in the 15th and 51st minutes, which I, I appreciate. So thank you for doing that, Zach. Um, but also, that's their fourth player now this season who's got two goals already. No other team has sort of spread the goals around in that sort of way. Uh, and I think that's by design for uh, for Dean Brennan this season. I think he's uh, intentionally built a squad 
where the goals are spread around the team. Um, we still got sort of Callum Stead to come in, and he he will get goals as well. Um, I think that it's uh, you know you look you look across that squad, it's just it's pretty strong everywhere. Um, I also said, I said it in the summer, I'm saying again now. I think the signing of Adi Aluo from Chelsea was a really good bit of business as well. I think he was one of the standout performers in National League side last season. Um, and for Woking, um, you know, it's probably not the start of season they would have wanted to be on four points after four games, um, but. When you look through that list of results, the only one that you look at and say, actually, that is probably a bad result is the Kidderminster draw. Um, I think that they will be fine. Um, losing a wet barn is no uh, no great disgrace. No, absolutely not. And I think um, I watched uh, Darren Saul's post-match and he's trying to avoid saying it, but he can't help but say it. They're pretty much without a midfield at the moment, Woking. Uh, Manny Oiliki, Anderson, Kellerman, really good established first choice midfielders are out for varying degrees of time. So it's a difficult period for Woking on top of the fact that the expectation levels have gone up based on uh, their performance last season. But Barnett will watch them closely in the coming weeks. Uh, Chesterfield, I think we all agree, quite rightly favourites for the National League title. But we need to look around for two or three other sides that might stay with them, that might push them close. And I think certainly at the moment, uh, Barnett uh, look as if they might be uh, well-equipped to do that. On to a couple of um, games that sort of swung one way and then the other. Um, and uh, they both ended up uh, with 3-2 wins for one of the sides. Um, let's go to you, Joe, first about uh, Southend against Hartlepool. We've talked an awful lot about the situation that Southend are in, so we probably won't go into much detail on that this week. But in terms of the game itself, they got their noses ahead twice, but they couldn't hold on. Yeah, and I think that will be this frustration for Kevin Mayer. Um, you know, the fact that they worked so hard to get themselves into the lead twice and come away from it with nothing uh, will be really, really disappointing, especially at home. Um, they did take the lead in the game after only four minutes. Jack Bridge, um, a player we all thought might be off to the EFL uh, this summer. Um, obviously, still time to do that, but he got on the score sheet. Um, Hartlepool drew level through, uh, through Crawford, who uh, got on the, the score sheet. Um, one all at the break um, and a flurry of goals at the start of the second half. First from uh, our favourite, Gus Scott Morris, uh, putting Southend back in front uh, before Joe Gray, uh, a player that uh, I really thought would uh, do well this season. Pleased to see him on the score sheet to level it up. Um, and it was anyone's game after that. Um, but Hartlepool managed to get it. Charlie Seaman, another player that they've signed from the EFL, dropped down from Doncaster Rovers. Uh, he got the winner with 15 to play. And, um, yeah, it looks like John Askey's uh, made a really, really good start at Hartlepool. I know um, I've got to give a mention to Anthony Mancini uh, in midfield, um, a player who Hartlepool fans seem to be raving about so far. Uh, he had another really, really good performance, someone they picked up on a free. Um, and then also Chris Ray, uh, who made a... Return to Southend bowl accounts. He got a really warm reception on his return. The other game that uh, ended 3 2, we're going to talk to you about Tom. Um, it included an absolute crack. I don't know if you've seen it from Nick Horton. Did the, did the old Beckham special from inside his own half? And, and, and at one point that had put filed 2 1 up in the game. But um, for not the first time this season, filed had been picked off late on. Um, 
Tarvin Campbell with a couple of the goals as well. Um, another side that continued to confound and surprise Wildstone. They got it done uh, very, very late on, Tom, didn't they? And, um, you know, Stuart Maynard continues to get the plaudits and rightly so. Yeah, absolutely right you say. I mean, they will undoubtedly have one of the lowest budgets in the division again this season. Um, I think that the signing of Tavon Campbell on a season long loan could be absolutely inspired. Um, you know, he he should be good for 10 to 15 goals this season, which at that end of the table is a, like it could be can be a lifeline. Um I think there's there's gonna be a real spate of late, late goals this season. Um teams are not used to playing until 5 15 in the in the evening. Um and they're gonna be doing it more and more this year. So if he to figure that out early and understand that the games are going hundred plus minutes now. And that they have to have that sort of endurance and and sort of mental resilience to get to those 99th, 100th minutes and still be playing their football. They will pick up points early in the season from that. Um, And the teams that take slightly longer to click, you know, I think I wouldn't be surprised if, as you say, Rob, we'll see the same teams conceding late goals more and more often. Um, I think that, like, I'm glad to see that Nick Horton uh, got another goal today. I think uh, I'm really excited to see how he gets on in this division across a full season. Um, but yeah, what a great start for Wilson. I think you probably would have expected them to win a home against one of the promoted sides. Like that's one that they will absolutely be targeting for three points. But when you take it in the context of a draw against Bromley, a win against uh, York as well, like this is it's a really solid start to the season for Wilson and, and definitely not what um, most partners were expecting. Yeah, the only team in the National League on eight points at the moment. An excellent start for Wildstone. We talked about Ebbsfleet earlier on, of course. They travelled and they made the long journey up to uh, the northeast uh, to the international uh, stadium there to play Gateshead, who found a way of playing uh, in the back end of last season or the last third, whatever, um, which Dickie pointed out a couple of times was the way they played in the National League's um, north to great success of course then with um, uh, Mr Scott and Mr Langstaff in their side they've kicked on again they scored four in the week and Dickie they scored four again on Saturday and they're very very difficult to stop right now aren't they yeah they're, they're, they're looking quite potent um, and Mike Williamson does have a template for how he wants Gateshead to play I can't imagine that that has changed this season at all. Um, but the difficulty they've had, of course, has been that this this turnover in the forward line in that, you know, they got promoted from the north, as you say, with Langstaff and Scott bagging goals between them. Paul Blackett got some as well. None of those three are at the club anymore. Um, but yeah, it was uh, another incomer. Uh, Stephen Wien, he was had a little bit of time with them last season. I think he scored one goal in 11 games. Um, his hat-trick yesterday means he's got three in four. So he's already improved on his strike rate from last season. Kenton Richardson, um, a player we saw with England C last season, he got them um, off and rolling Um just five minutes into the game. Dominic Polian, we know what he's capable of. He equalised for Ebsbleet in the 17th minute. But uh, yeah, early in the second half, Wien scored, then took to a penalty 10 minutes later and got the match ball with just two minutes left on the clock, the 88th minute when he got the the, the fourth goal. Um, it's a pretty long, miserable trip all the way back down to Kent for Ebsbleet um, with nothing to show for it. I think it's something like a 10-hour uh, round trip. Uh, it's five hours there, five hours back. I think it's actually even longer if you go by train. So I don't know how they would have chosen to do it. But um, yeah, yeah, 
an afternoon or an afternoon to forget for Ebbsfleet. Absolutely. No shame in losing away at Gateshead, but it will have been a long journey home, as you say. A little bit of a roundup from me from some of the other games. You've got Altrincham 1, Borehamwood uh, 1. Regan Linney on target again for Altrincham. But uh, Lee and Love with his first goal of the season. Uh, another point away on the road for Luke Garrard. And if he if he can get some home wins, unlike the loss to Solihull in the week, he'll be happy with the point on the road. Uh, Halifax and Oxford drew one all. And it's the first point in the National League, the first point ever for Oxford City at this level. Uh, Fonku it was who got the goal. Josh Parker turned provider on this occasion. And that was equalising Rob Harker's 32nd minute strike. Kidderminster and Bromley drew nil-nil. Kidderminster have got a bit of a thing about nil-nils at home, but they're finding their feet. And, and, and as we always say, never underestimate a point. They might have been slightly more frustrated, though, because... Uh, there was the sending off there of Cole Krepka for Bromley. So uh, they didn't manage to score against the uh, the 10 men. Uh, Rochdale had an extremely good home win. They're going along quite nicely, to be fair to them. Uh, they got a 2-0 win against Eastleigh, who uh, have somewhat disappointed after slightly higher expectations this season. Henderson uh, on the score sheet and an absolute ripper from Cairo Mitchell as well. So Rochdale going pretty well. Um, I went along to Aldershot Town against York City. And it's funny how football throw that, throws up these little fatalistic moments, don't they? But just five weeks after leaving Aldershot Town uh, for a reputed uh, six-figure sum, Tyler Cordner returned with his new side, York City. Uh, big hopes, expensively assembled uh, side, uh, there and uh, before the game I caught up with Tyler. Tyler welcome back to familiar surroundings uh, probably a little bit earlier than you might have thought but uh, nevertheless um, we are where we are and you'll be representing York City at Aldershot Town today. Can I just say to you on behalf we don't of often get this opportunity but on behalf of the vast majority of Aldershot Town fans thank you for what you did last year and, and, and thank you for, for also helping to play your part in the short term future of this club and allowing us to have Perhaps a slightly better playing budget this season. Uh, no, thank you guys as well for obviously um, welcoming me here so much last year. And um, obviously it was a great season for me personally. Um, obviously we stayed up in the league, which was our intentions. Um, you know, we had loads of changes through the season. But um, overall for me personally, it was a great season. And, um, you know, for me it was thank you from the Old Shop fans as well. I know I already said to you sort of off air, like, you know, play well today but don't score. But obviously you'll be <laughs> trying to do that and trying to get the three points for York today. Um you're one of many new players up there and it is going to take a while to gel, isn't it? You'll be frustrated that you haven't got a win yet, but uh, um, how are you finding it? Yeah, definitely frustrated, but um, I think it's just because we can see the quality in the squad we've got. Um, the recruitment we've done has been very good um, and it's obviously going to take time to gel with 14, 15 new players, um, but I think at the moment we're starting to get there a little bit, obviously with a positive point on Tuesday night. Um, you know, we haven't been had our personnel how we wanted it for the first two games but um, you know we're looking stronger and people come back from injury now so hopefully in the next three to four weeks we'll see a better York City side and uh, of course you've always been well supported by your family it might be more difficult for him to get up to York to, to follow you but I'm sure they'll be here today will they? Yeah definitely I think they are here I'm not sure what end they'll be sitting in but <laughs> they might be a little <laughs> no bit no doubt confused. they're probably in the old shot end give me stick probably but <laughs> no yeah, they'll yeah. definitely be here to watch and I'm going to go home and see them after for the first yeah. time so that'll be nice 
That was Tyler, in truth. He had a, a, a bit of a torrid time from Jack Barham on the day. He was one of seven or eight players to pick up a booking. It was a strange old game. All shot were brilliant for half an hour, but couldn't score. Uh, York went to three at the back and tightened things up a bit, but then Aldershot did score and they got the lead through Aaron Jones. And then, to be perfectly honest, both sides had periods of domination in the second half. And just as you thought Aldershot might get the first clean sheet of the season, then Linnell John Lewis off the bench, prodded home, 90 plus four or something. Um, and York City departed the uh, EBB Stadium with a point that even Mickey Morton said they were very, very lucky to get. As for Aldershot, well, that was a very Aldershot thing to do. Um, just one more game to look at, and that's uh, the Maidenhead against Dagenham game. Uh, another cracker from Rhys Smith. What a precocious young talent he is. Obviously, we've already referred to the uh, to the health situation with Ineffiong after the game. But as for the win itself, Tom, um, another team gets devved. And uh, Maidenhead, let me glance. Seventh in the table, seven points from their first 12 and going very nicely, thank you, despite all the pundits predicting them yet again to go down. Yeah, ticking along really nicely. Um, you know, Dev is a seasoned expert at what he does, which is build teams that are very hard to beat, uh, primarily. Um, and, you know, strikers might win your championships, but defences will keep you up. Uh, and as you say, in Reece Smith, they've got a little firecracker who... Um, is going to pull them out goals when they need them to. Um, I think this, like one of the big stories here is Dagenham and their start to the season, which has been pretty torrid. Um, they would definitely be targeting more than one point from their opening four games. Um, this is not an inexpensively assembled squad at Dagenham, um, and there's a lot of ability in that dressing room, um, and it's it probably should be yielding more results than it is at the moment. Um, one thing I would say about Maidenhead's start, necessarily compared to maybe that Wheelstone, it is obviously an excellent start. And what you notice when you look through Maidenhead's results is they're beating, they're drawing filed, they're beating Dorking. They're picking up points against the teams who you would expect to be around them coming into the season. And that's going to be absolutely crucial for them as well. Um, I think Dorking, you know, this is going to be a difficult second season for them. Um, and so for Maidenhead to be uh, sort of putting one over them early in the season uh, is, a, is a really important uh, marker for them. Yeah, they've always been a bit of a streaky side. They'll they'll win three or four on the trot and then they'll lose four or five and drift into a little bit of trouble. But it is uh, a pretty solid uh, start to the season. OK, we're going to move on to the north and the south now. And the boys are eagerly waiting to see which one we're going to do first today. Um, I just want to come in with a few stats first. In Across both divisions... There were only four home wins, um, 12 away and a whole host of draws. It was a very low scoring Saturday as well, with only two sides, one from each division, managing to score more than two goals. Dickie, I bet you're shocked at this. We're going to go with the North. So uh, in the North, we have to start with the team that are most northerly, according to the table, and one of those two sides that, uh, that actually got three goals on the weekend, and that was Scunthorpe. Um, possibly um, a game that was a scoreline that was relatively predictable, but just tell us how they got on at uh, Russia Olympic. Yeah, it probably was. Um, you know, Scunthorpe are a, a hot favourites to win promotion from National League North and Russia. Um, 
you know, are, are punching above their weight to be at this uh, level. If you think about the comparative league positions of the sides, it's incredible that these two sides are facing one another in the league when only a few seasons ago, you know, Scunthorpe were an EFL side and Russell were at step three of non-league football. So probably a little bit of a culture shock, maybe um, for some of the supporters of Scunthorpe, but, you know, you they are where they are. And to be fair to them, you know, their team... Um, didn't seem to have any kind of issue around that yesterday. You know, they, they've gone there and done a really professional job. Alfie Beeston got them uh, on the board with a goal in the 11th minute. It did take till quite late on for them to add two more. Danny Whitehall and Tyler Denton in the 85th and 88th minute, which I imagine must have been a bit of a heartbreak of a Liam McDonald and his Russell team because, you know, at 1-0 still, they must have thought there's still an opportunity. They might just have got a chance there to get something out of that game. But uh, ultimately it wasn't to be but yeah I mean Rushall will um, have games against uh, or will have more winnable games than Scunthorpe at home I'm sure Yeah absolutely Scunthorpe sit top of the fledgling National League North table they're the only side with 10 points and then comes four teams who are on nine one of those Dickie is Spennymore Town who uh, who got the job done away from home without the need for any Glenn Taylor goals Yes, uh, Mr. Taylor had, uh, I wouldn't say an afternoon off, I'm sure he started, but he didn't uh, get onto the score sheet yesterday. I'm not surprised by Spennymore's start, I'll be honest. I, I looked at the recruitment in the summer, um, the fact they brought in Ben Pollock from uh, uh, Boston United into their defence. Um, uh, I think Jamie Chandler appears to be, you know, have a good handle on what it needs in this division. He's well versed in what on what Spennymore are about as a club. Um, but again, it, it came quite late on for them yesterday. Danny Greenfield and Will Harris with goals in the 79th and the 88th minute to make it a, a very happy trip back up the A1 for Spennymore. Absolutely. Now, we questioned Blythe Spartans being right up the top end of the table. And in truth, they did have a little bit of a dip, didn't they, in the week? But uh, Joe, I know, has uh, predicted Hereford to do well this season and they'd started pretty well. Uh, but they came unstuck at Blythe and, um, and, and it's another win for them, Dickie. Um, and nine points from the first four games. Yeah, really, really good from Blythe Spartans. You know, I think if we think about this time last season, they were the first club to dispense with their manager, Terry Mitchell, went only about four days into the season. What a contrast. You know, Graham Fenton came into the club turned things around, kept Blythe Spartans up quite comfortably in the end now, and now appears to be looking to kick on with this. Um, they they had a, a very good win over Hereford yesterday. Goal from Charlie Aitken in the first half. That was equalised by a goal from Jason Cowley from Hereford. He joined them um, from Stourbridge in the summer, and he, he is a reputed goal scorer at step three. He was probably... He's had opportunities higher. He was he went to Stevenage um, in League Two, but really didn't get very many chances. Didn't get many chances at Solihull too. So he's you know taking the opportunity to show that he can be a regular goal scorer at Step Two. Um, but yeah, it was fullback Michael Little who got the the Blythe winner in the fifty fourth minute yesterday. Another really good win for Graham Fenton's team. Yeah, there's a bit of a theme to the next three games, which I'll just round up quickly now. But Warrington, Alfreton and Farsley Celtic all sit on nine points. Or beg your pardon, Farsley are on eight. But all three of them won 1-0 away from home. Uh, Stevenson scored the Farsley Celtic goal at Bishop Stoltford, who had obviously started pretty well uh, life in the National League North, considering they didn't particularly want to be there. 
Warrington Town um, got a, a goal in the 17th minute from Woods to dispose of Chorley, and that's no mean feat at all. Um, and Alfreton, um, of whom we know the merits, of course, we've talked about them quite a lot, but they went and played Tamworth in a game that Joe might have said would have been one for the neck. Um, Tamworth nil, Alfreton won, and it was Thudis, uh, Thudis sorry, who got the, the winner there for Alfreton. Uh, Brackley make up the uh, remaining top seven at the moment. They're also on uh, eight points and they got themselves a draw, one all at Darlington, who haven't started the season very well at all. Um, and then there's a few one nil or two nil wins. Um, um, Joe, you wanted to uh, come in on uh, South Shields against Scarborough. Just tell us about that one. Yeah, well, we, we talked about um, a goal for uh, Nick Horton for AFC Fylde and say what a brilliant strike that was. And he might not even have the best strike of the weekend uh, in Tom Broadbent, who got the ball on the edge of his own box, ran virtually to the halfway line and then absolutely belted it into the top corner. Uh, for the only goal of the game, um, one that I, uh, I, well, he's played much, much higher. He played in the EFL with a number of teams. And uh, if South Shields are to make a play for the top seven this season, as a couple of t people think they might, uh, a win against Scarborough, uh, another team who should be in and around it, is a, a really good win for them. And Dickie, let's talk about Southport against Boston now. Look, from Boston's point of view, They've started OK, seven points out of the first 12, a 2-0 win on the road. And the first time that I've heard of uh, a manager stroke director of football sacking himself in the week. Yes, uh, it, 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 it was Liam Watson's um, choice to uh, step aside from the, the managerial role in midweek and just concentrate on his role on the board of directors at Southport after a 5-1 defeat at Spennymoor. I had a friend who was at the game um, and he said that Southport were, were pretty wretched on the night and I think with some of the other defeats they've taken as well, I think it was, I won't say only a matter of time, but I think, you know, in some ways, hats off to Liam Watson for recognising that, you know, the group maybe need to have a different voice. Um, I had a very, very quick exchange of messages with him. Um, he was fine about stepping aside or so it seemed. Didn't seem to um, uh, suggest that there was anybody else particularly in the frame for the job at the moment either. Um, but yeah, didn't uh, no, no immediate improvement for them yesterday. Keaton Ward, um, he scored for Boston in the 42nd minute and then uh, a, a goal from Tyler Knowles in the second half, 84th minute penalty. And that was enough for, for Boston to leave with a 2-0 win. Good stuff. Um, a couple of other games to round up. Buxton led for much of the game against Curzon Ashton, but a Matthews goal on 80 minutes uh, secured a point for Curzon. Um, and uh, we talk about how long these games are going for. Gloucester City took a late-ish lead at Kingsland, 71 minutes when uh, Durrell scored. Um, but Kingsland left it until 90 plus nine. Stevens getting the equaliser there. And last but most definitely not least, uh, Banbury United uh, saw off uh, Sterling opposition in terms of Chester, who've had a difficult start to the season. And that'll be a big relief and a much-needed uh, uh, three points for, for Banbury, Dickie. 
Yeah, it will. Um, Mark Jones has gone in uh, as the the Banbury manager, the the former Oxford City and Hemel Hempstead uh, gaffer. And yeah, he it's a really good result for them yesterday. Topi Odebay, he was at um, Gloucester last season. He uh, got a second minute goal, and it's not the start that Chester would have been looking for. Certainly, isn't they lost on opening day at Bishop Stortford. Um, rebounded from that with a, a big 3-0 win over Kings Lynn, but then a goalless draw at home to Chorley last week and then a 1-0 defeat at Banbury isn't the kind of form that Callum McIntyre would have been looking for and, and that people would have been expecting from a team that was in the playoffs last year and comfortably in third place. We spoke about the fact that Chester coasted the last few games of the season in third. They, they were that far ahead, they couldn't be caught, but they couldn't catch first or second. They've made, you know, a few eye-catching signings. They've, a few players have gone, but Elliot Whitehouse has come in and, you know, they were perhaps looking at him as being the the, the spark to, to help them kick on. But they've lost the goals of Kurt Willoughby, of course. And yeah, it's just looking a little bit of a struggle for them at the moment. All right, we're going to take a look now at the National League South. You probably think you're pretty good at multitasking behind the wheel. I mean, you have to multitask to drive. So what's wrong with checking your phone? The thing is, your brain simply doesn't work that way. Even a quick look at a message, a for quick reply, affects your concentration and makes you less able to react to hazards. If you use a mobile phone while driving, you're four times more likely to crash. Think. Put your phone away. Okay, in the National League South, two sides that have started this season very well. One of them, uh, much to our surprise, um, met, didn't they, down towards the South Coast. Joe, tell us uh, how Worthing and Avely got on. Well, uh, it's only right, uh, given my record on this podcast, that the team I talk up so much and say how brilliant they are, go and lose. Um, so Worthing uh, played Avely. Worthing uh, were top of the league going into the game, and I believe they still are top of the league um, by virtue of goal difference. Uh, but they hosted Avely, uh, and it was newly promoted Avely that came away the winners. Um, they took the lead in the first half. John Benton, I mean, I've already talked so many times this season. We're only four games in about John Benton. Uh, ridiculous talent um, signed from Southend. Another goal for him. He must be about three or four goals now already. Um, and then they got a, a second uh, through Vaz uh, on the stroke of half time. A little bit of controversy in the game because Worthing were awarded a penalty uh, by the referee, which they took. Uh, a couple of their own players encroached into the box and the referee decided uh, to uh, overturn the penalty and give a free kick to Avery rather than apparently allow them to retake the uh, the penalty. So, um, disappointment for Worthing. They did get a goal back through Juan Luca uh, on the hour mark. Um, but, uh, yeah, a really disappointing uh, day for Worthing uh, when it looked like they could have got something from it. But for, as for Avely, I mean, we have to uh, sing their their praises. You know, Danny Scopes, a manager that's been in the division before, wily old manager uh, with Concord Rangers, did such good work with them. And he's uh, he'll be really, really pleased with the start his side have made. He certainly will. And uh, Danny Scopes came on the podcast when he was Concord Rangers manager. And Dan, I know you listen to this podcast, certainly from time to time. I, I reckon this is one week you will be listening to it as well. So, yeah, give us a shout and uh, come on and join us again soon. Tom, quick point from you on Avely, is it? 
Yeah, I would say I think um, so. Whilst their start of the season is surprising to a degree, I think people in Avery won't be overly shocked by it. That there's a lot of confidence at the club. They've had two promotions in two years. They looked very good in the Isthmian League last year, um, and I think that they will be. I think they will be targeting staying up with probably a degree of comfort. I think that they there was a perception that they would come up and be the whipping boys, that they were by far the smallest team to be in the division this year. And I don't think that that is an accurate view of the team they've put together. And that's having lost, is it, their main man, George Sykes, as well, that's left. So, yeah, really good start. Absolutely. Another team that's come up and another team that's started well, another team that's also on uh, nine points, Tom, is Western Supermare. Um, they are in the top echelons there, but they did come unstuck on Saturday, oddly, against the team Joe's predicted to do well. Tell us about that one. Yeah, so I mean, I, I still have my doubts about this Western Supermare team. I don't think they've got enough players. They have a, a squad of 19, which I think is, is just a bit on the small side for a, an, an attritional campaign like the National South will be this season. I think I've made the point on here before, but... There is no absolute in the league this year. There's nobody who's going to go and get 103 points or whatever it was they got. What we do have are 10, 12 teams who are all going to be targeting playoffs uh, with, uh, with you know, good reason for thinking they can do so. This is going to be a really attritional campaign. There are not going to be any easy matches, and I don't think the 19 players is enough. Um, but on the game itself, um, I think it is a surprising result, especially coming on, you know, Western having tonked Bath 6-2 and um, started the season so well. Cause not helped by a red card for Sam Avery in the first half. Uh, cause also not helped by the arrival of George Alexander on loan this week for Slough. Uh, Alexander knows this league. He scored 10 goals in it last season on loan at both Welling and Slough. Um, and uh, he does score. He he has real purple patches. Uh, he got a few braces and I think a hat-trick last season. He's come in, first game back on loan, bagged another hat-trick. little bit of a mini roundup mid-National League South from me. Haven't and Waterlooville um, have not started well. They picked up their first point on Saturday for a, a long time. It looked like it might be three points, but uh, they got going with a mo, and uh, it was a mo mo on the day because Mo Betema equalised for Chelmsford later on in that one. So that one ended one all, and that keeps Chelmsford up there in touch with the leaders. Um, and elsewhere, Dartford and Farnborough, both sides with. Uh, you know, good expectations for the season. They drew one all as well. And, and Alfie Pavey goal there got Farnborough a point. And Dover and Braintree drew one all as well, as did Yeovil and Maidstone. Another couple of sides with relatively big expectations. But Joe, there were very, very good away wins for Weymouth and for Bath on Saturday. Tell us about them. Yeah, well, um, I start with Bath. I mean, they needed to uh, get a result this week, basically after a, a six-two drubbing against Western Supermare. They had a really good win on the road um, against an Eastbourne side that, when I did my predictions at the start of the season, all their fans said, "Oh, we'll be up near the top seven. You know, we're a really, really good side. We've recruited really well. Been really underwhelmed with how they've started. Um, they look like an absolute mess, to be honest." Um, Mark Beard there, formerly of, of Dawkins, not got it going. And um, if it wasn't for a, a late consolation through Sheriff, um, they'd have lost uh, quite heavy. Um, a goal for Bath, uh, the opener from Thomas. Um, I think he got uh, a couple of goals. I think it might have even been a hat-trick 
uh, last weekend. Uh, he stepped up uh, from the lower leagues from from Bath uh, in the summer, and he got a goal. And then Cody Cook um, on the score sheet on the stroke of half time. I know he had a couple of offers to go elsewhere in the National League South this summer, but they'll be pleased that he stuck around. Uh, he got the second goal for them to make it 2-1 and get a, a good win on the board. As for Weymouth, um, been really impressed with Weymouth, I have to say. Um, I, I wasn't sure. Um, really young squad they've got there. Um, obviously, a manager in Bobby Wilkinson that knows the league, um, knows how to do well, um, and he's put a very young side together, but it's working. Um uh, one of their players, Tom Stagg, he scored the winner for them with 12 minutes to play. Um, that was after Hemel had drawn level at the end of the first half through Kyle Ajayi. Um, Weymouth had taken the lead uh, just before the half-hour mark. Brandon Goodship, uh, formerly of the EFL, he got their first uh, or their, their opener on the road. And I have to say, Weymouth have, um, for all the concerns I had going into the season about them, um, it looks as if this young, vibrant team that Wilkinson has put together is really catching out some of the um, more experienced and perhaps less mobile teams, of which Hemel are probably one. Good stuff. Uh, thanks for that, Joe. Right, Joe, we're going to give you a break talking about Torquay United this week. They sit uh, with seven points, just uh, uh, two points off the top of the league, so nothing to moan about there. Um, Tom's going to tell us how they got on at St Albans. And talking of uh, teams you guys are involved with or support, tell us as well in this little roundup, uh, Tom, how your side, Hampton and Richmond, got on down at Truro. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, Torquay, first of all, um, I think that's a really good good win away at St Albans. Um, St Albans are not going to uh, be an easy touch this season by any means. Um, Sean Jeffers keeping him quiet. Most clubs will not do that again this season. Um he scored 27 goals, uh, so last season he'll do the same again this year. Law of averages it takes, he will score against most teams, so fair play to keep and not letting him do that. Goal for Ollie Thomason, his first for the club, I believe. Joe will be able to confirm that, but not his yeah. first in the National League South, having scored on loan for Chippenham Town last season. Um, I think Ollie Thomason is an excellent defender. I really liked him when he was coming through the academy from the Vargar. Um, I think Torquay have been sensible with their recruitment this summer. Um, I looked through the team, I think only Brad Ash and Will Jenkins-Davies weren't in the squad last season. Um, and so that consistency is really key. Um, and it's tempting, isn't it, when you look at teams being relegated to say, you don't really want consistency because this team got us relegated. So morale is probably going to be in the toilet. But actually, like the players that Johnson brought in have a different vibe to them than the ones who've been there for the first 40 games of the season. And actually, despite them coming down, the the Mentality didn't seem too bad. It didn't seem too sour. Um, and keeping that, that group together, I think, is a good decision. They've augmented it well with some of the like talented kids from the local area, uh, likes of Finley Krask. He's an excellent footballer. Um, Will Jenkins Davies on loan is, you know, will he achieve the same that Adam Randall did at Torquay? Probably not, but I think he is still an effective player. And Tom, most of us know, the listeners may or may not know that you're you're from the southwest. We've got different versions of what is the Southwest and what isn't. And I, I have to tread on careful ground there. But how excited are you, given your role as um, photographer Hampton and Richmond, that there are, is it seven or eight teams in that kind of part of the country? So you're going to be heading home sort of, every, you know, once or twice a month, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, um, um, most of them in the first seven games of the season uh, due to our seven away game streak to start the campaign. 
Um, so I am pleased about it. So this this week, for example, I'm going to stay over with my family until and then I do the bath game on the way home next Saturday. Um, so it works out nicely for that regard. Uh, there, there is a lot of travel. Seven and a half hours on a coach um, on Friday was not how I particularly envisage spending my day. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a really West Country heavy league this year. And I think that's a good thing for the division. Um, there's some really like big town teams in the West Country who who, does, who should be playing at this level. Uh, and it's kind of been the M25 league for too many years now. So I think it's quite nice to get that geographical diversity back. Um, it means new leagues, new teams. It means new grounds, which is what, you know, a lot of non-league fans love that. Um, me, myself being no different. Uh, what it does mean is it means that the player pool in the Southwest becomes very stretched. Um, there are eight teams, if you start at Weymouth and go West, playing at this level. I think you see a knock-on effect, a league below in step three, where some of the teams are going to really struggle because there is not that, you know, that player pool has been hoovered up uh, at step two. And you can see it uh, sort of, see it at Truro City yesterday um, a lot of those players are people who have been the lifeblood of Plymouth Parkway to Everton Town for the last few seasons and are now playing at step two with Truro um, Truro game I thought Truro a good side um, I know a lot of those players very well from a long time we can go, go back to school football um, but they were missing five key players yesterday um, Tyler Harvey 30 goals last season back injury James Heyman, one of the best goalkeepers in Step 3 last year, not available. They've had to bring in a young lad from Cheltenham alone this week. Um, Dan Sullivan, key tally play, injured. Billy Palfrey, injured. And then James Mahardo pulled out in the warm-up. Um, so it was difficult for Truro from that perspective. But then Hampton, we haven't been able to start Alan Julian yet this season. He's been out with an injury. Uh, Jake Gray got his first minutes of the season uh, yesterday uh, after a rib injury sustained in pre-season. Um, so I think you know both sides have it had injury problems within the squad. Um, scoring was opened by Jordan Cheadle with his first goal since arriving from Dorking in the summer, and then uh, Andrew Neal got his fourth of the season already, so averaging a goal a game already. Um, he got twenty last year. No surprise to see him backing on goals already. He is so fast, and that will cause problems for defenders in any division. Uh, he scored a penalty just before half time, and then Connor Curran Brown got the winner. Uh, around about 60 minutes, I think. Um, 50, 52, but don't worry. Yeah, 52. It's close enough yeah. for government work. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, Connor's a player I'm really excited to see kick on this season. Um, it's Hampton, Hampton need to uh, find a goal scorer. That's been a big problem for the last three or four years now, ever since Danilo Orsi left, really. Um, and in Mason Bloomfield and Ben Seymour, uh, they believe they've found those strikers. Uh, so we'll be very keen to see one of them get off the mark soon. Um, but it's a really, really good result, really important win, get that first win on the board. Um, and one of the things, sort of talking points around the game yesterday is if you because of the difficulties with getting a new pitch laid this summer, Hampton is starting the season with seven away games on the trot. Any of those away games, if you look at it across the season, you'd be happy with pointing them. But what you wouldn't be happy with is starting the season with no wins in the first seven games. Um, and so getting that victory away against Truro was really critical. Um and and uh, Melbourne, it will be hoping that, that they can kick on from there. Absolutely, that's a really really good to get that insight. And of course, we, we can't leave Joe out of the conversation when we're talking about the southwest, because obviously you you live there in uh, in Yeovil, don't you, uh, Joe? We won't give out your address though, because I know you've upset a few people with your uh, with your blog from time to time. But um, 
Now, I, I've got to say from my point of view, boys, I never thought of this, but obviously Aldershot stayed up very worrying towards the end. It would have been awful for me as an Aldershot commentator that lives in Cambridgeshire. <laughs> if I'd have had to commentate in the National League South this year, I think I'd have, I'd have had to find a, a sparring partner to do the games in the Southwest for me. Uh, but Joe, you're loving it as well, aren't you? And I know you've got your your your, your, uh, your fixtures that you're going to go to planned near enough for the whole season. Yeah, um, going to uh, I went to uh, Torquay v Yeov- uh, Torquay v Worthing, sorry, uh, last week, uh, and going to the first game of the season for Yeovil that I would have covered or gone to see uh, next weekend. Yeovil face uh, Tombridge Angels, their fourth home game on the trot, so that should be uh, a good one. Good stuff. And we just need to round up the National League South now because we digressed a little bit there. Uh, there was just one home win in the National League South, wasn't there, Joe? Tell us a little bit about that and also tell us how those two often unfancied sides that continue to prove people wrong, Chippenham and uh, Tunbridge, got on. Yeah, well, uh, the only home win indeed come from Taunton Town. Um, and I think if you were to ask any Taunton Town fan to predict the scoreline, knowing that they're going to win, most of them will probably go for 1-0. Perhaps not the most adventurous of teams. Um, I think even their manager, Rob Dre, will tell you that. Um, they like to keep it compact and uh, they, they don't themselves have a goal scorer, but they did uh, have one on the weekend. Luckily, Nick McCooty, um, formerly of Bath, a player that's been around the league's uh, for a long while, he's always uh, useful for a goal or two. And he got the winner after 11 minutes against a Welling team who... It's funny because I keep watching the interviews every week uh, with uh, Welling's manager, Danny Bleur, um, staying very positive, as you would imagine, for a team uh, that or for a manager that needs to sort of drum up some support. Um, but with every passing week that goes by that they don't pick up any points, I think he's going to be... Severely tested, I think, um, keep him really positive. But uh, another defeat there, um, I think they will struggle this season. Um, that leaves us with uh, chipping them against Tombridge, Tom. Uh, yeah, which I think is a re- I thought it was a really good result for Tombridge. Um, I think Chippenham have strengthened this summer um, and will be one of those sort of teams that I spoke about in the 10, 12 or so teams who will think that they should be putting together a playoff run. Um, but Tombridge are... Tombridge are strong again and they're they're so hard to, they're so compact they're so well drilled um you know both sides have now picked up six points from their opening four games um Stephen Payne open scoring with his first goal since uh, his summer arrival from Welling um I think he's going to be the key goal threat for Tunbridge this season um Matt McClure, McClure picked up the equalizer for Chippenham um he he didn't really kick on since his arrival from Gloucester last season. He only got five goals in the National League South in the last campaign. So Chippen will definitely be looking for more from him this this camp this campaign. Um and then a Lewis Guard winner. He's now uh, already scored half of his goal tally from last season. Um and uh Tunbridge did I hate it when teams do this. They got a player sent off in the 90th minute, so it looks like they've ground out a win with 10 men, but in reality they only played a couple of minutes of 10 men. Um <laughs> So if, they, if people could just uh, you know keep their cool in the last few minutes and not do that, I'd really appreciate it. Um, <laughs> but no, really good result for Tunbridge. That um, you know Chippenham is a hard place to go. Uh, it's a long way from Tunbridge, so uh, a good three points and then back on the M4. Thanks very much. Great stuff. Lo- lovely to have your insight back on the pod, uh, Tom. This week um, there is no midweek. 
fixture list at all in the National League or the North or the South. And the reason for that, I'm quite sure, is because next weekend everybody will do it twice on Saturday and Monday. Um, I'm not quite sure yet when we'll be uh, putting together our, our podcast, but we'll have a chat about that and keep you informed via Twitter. But uh, that's it pretty much for this week, unless you've got any other business. Thank you very much indeed, uh, first and foremost, to our guest, uh, Tom. Thank you very much for having me. Always good to have you. Thank you very much indeed, uh, Joe. And uh, imagine that, talking win a game of football and you didn't get to talk about them at all. No, well, I think uh, I think Tom rounded it rounded the game up very very well. And finally, Dicky, who listeners, I can tell you, just sitting back in his armchair now, he's got his feet up, scrolling through his phone. <laughs> Knew he wasn't needed for the National League South, but thanks for staying with us, Dicky. And thanks very much indeed. Yeah, I knew he was in safe hands. <laughs> thanks again, listeners, for joining us. Uh, we'll be back with you again probably after next weekend's uh, double uh, header fixtures. Thanks for joining us again, listeners. We'll be back with you very soon. Play the theme tune, Luke.